When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. But I begin today with a man I have the most admiration for from the first time I ever met him when he worked up in this neck of the woods in Drogheda. He's moved on subsequently, but he is a specialist in Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. End of life, grief and loss. And I'm so pleased to say hello and welcome him back to Late Lunch. Brian Nolan, how are you? I'm very well, Jerry. Great to talk to you. And you're right, it's such a beautiful day. Great to be alive. Isn't it? And that is the feeling, Brian. It is great to be alive. And on yeah. the theme of life, life begins and we're tiny and we travel through life. And as you know, you specialise at the other end as people age. And Brian, mm-hmm. I'll tell my listeners, uh, I-, I keep a good eye on you. And uh, in recent weeks, I saw you post something, Brian, that even for you, Uh, really struck a chord with me and subsequently what a reaction you got when you posted the story. Will you tell our listeners about your friend? She's 94. Yeah, I have a 94-year-old friend. Now, this is a lady, she's a single lady, she never married, obviously. Um, she, her going back to the very start, she was fostered out as a young child. And the lady who became her foster mother, uh, she ended up living with her for all of her life. And as her foster mother became old and infirm, she cared for her and looked after exceptionally well. And this friend of mine, she, very sociable lady, always kept herself very neat and tidy, very glamorous. She'd never be seen outside the door without her hair done and stuff like that. So she she really looked after herself. I mean, recently, she had a fall. She's always been very independent. 
recently she had a fall and ended up in hospital. And of course, with COVID now, you see, there's no visiting. So because she has no immediate family, she has a next of kin who is a person who was also part of that fostering um, regime that happened way, way back. And uh, so he's like her brother in a way and has been very good to her. So he's technically the only one who can get in and he can't get in every day. It's really only on request. So anyway, we tried to get in there a couple of weeks ago to see her and had to beg and blag our way through and eventually got the receptionist to ring up to the ward and eventually the ward manager said, Jay, come up for five minutes. Anyway, when we went up, um, the poor woman was like in a heap in the bed, like buried down in the bed is the way I describe it. And her mouth was all dry and cracked. The water was there all right. It was on the locker, but it was out of her reach, like she couldn't get to it. And she had this Fortisip drink, which is one of these fortified drinks that they give older people mm. full of vitamins and stuff. And that was there, but untouched. And even if she, if she wanted it, she couldn't have reached it anyway. And anyway, we tried to tidy her up in the bed and fix her up. And, you know, we were talking to the staff there and saying, like, this is a terrible condition for this woman to be in. And she, because of the dehydration stuff, she'd also got a bit confused, which she is not normally. And even at the moment, she's as clear as a bell. Um, that the, the only answer we got was, we're very busy. And I suppose for me, this little person is one of life's gentle people. She would never shout or never demand anything. And I said this to the nurse, I said, this person isn't going to ring the bell. She's not going to shout. She's not going to give out. You have to notice and watch when she's in trouble. You know, and it was, well, like we've a lot of patients to look after and we're very short-staffed and what can we do, basically? So anyway, I tried to fix her up in the bed as best I could. Like I'm working in healthcare all of my life. I've always been passionate about patient care and in the last 12 years of my working life as you said there I worked I worked up in Drada for the first five years trying to introduce the Hospice Friendly Hospitals program mm. which was all about dignity respect and advocacy and, and autonomy for the patient like getting staff to constantly keep the person they're looking after in the foremost of their minds and the first question they should always ask themselves is this how I would like my mother or my father to be cared for is this the standard of care that I would want for myself? And if there's a question mark there, well, then they need to, to do something about it. Like this story goes on because since we left, since we left that night, um, I've been on to her next of kin and he went in two days later and he said she hadn't been washed in the two days. And uh, when he said to the attendant who was on at the time, she hasn't been washed for two days. You know, this would really affect her mindset because she's very particular about herself mm -hmm. and how she dresses and stuff like that. And she'd hate to see herself looking like this. And the answer again was, we're too busy. And the advocate or the next of kin guy said to her, said to him, this isn't good enough. You know, I need to talk to the manager about this. OK, well, we'll wash her now. So what happened next was he went off and got another health care assistant, another man. And the two men went in and washed the lady in the bed, okay, gave her a bed bath. Yeah. And her next of kin said to me, I felt so sad for her. He said, this woman never even had a relationship with a man throughout her life. And now at the end of her life, she's been given a bed bath by two men. Now, I'm sure everything was above board and everything was fine. But is that what she would want for herself? Is that how she would have envisaged her end of life care? You know, and we're we're just sort of devastated over it's not even the lack of care, it's the lack of awareness. Nobody seems to notice 
that older people are in trouble in hospital, that they're not able to ask for stuff. They come from that generation who would have always said, doctor knows best. You know, you don't question yes. the people in charge. You know, the, the way older people yes. were always taught, yes. don't put your head, head above the, the, the parapet or whatever. You know, don't be above your station. You know, these people know what's right for you. And the sense of if you go into hospital, that's where you're going to receive the best care. You're going to be safe. But Brian, from what you have just described, it's horrendous. It's horrendous. And the the horrendous part of it is that they don't seem to want to allow any visitors into the hospitals whatsoever, which is crazy. I'm not advocating a free-for-all. We're back in the middle of COVID again. You can't have that. But we're dealing with a fully vaccinated population who most of us are boosted as well. People wouldn't mind if they were the designated family member or visitor taking an antigen test before they went in, wearing masks, washing their hands, being careful. But they could be there to advocate for the patient. They could be there to even organise the locker in such a way that the person could reach the stuff. You know, like I ended up in hospital for five weeks myself during the summer and I broke my pelvis, ruptured my bladder, um, broken coccyx, loads of broken ribs. So I basically was immobile in the bed. But I was unable to even reach my locker to get stuff that I wanted off it. You know, I was constantly having to ask for help. So I was just thinking if somebody, a family member or a friend even, was allowed to sit there, it would take the burden away from the healthcare assistant and the nurse. They'd be able to do those little jobs, you know, to help to feed the person, make sure they got a drink, that their water was filled, um, that they could even wash their hands and their face for them. Like, it's, I think we've just lost, lost this ability to deliver the care that we were so brilliant at. Like, I would have always said in Ireland, hospitals are impossible to get into, but when you get in there, the standard of care is excellent. I would have always believed that. I'm really questioning now the standard of care that we're offering to people at all sorts of levels. The amount of people who've contacted me since I put up that post has been amazing. You know, and the stories that they've told me about what happened to their relatives. A very good friend of mine who I've great respect for, and I know this is second-hand now, but this is a professional man who had a heart attack, got over the initial stage of the heart attack and was waiting transfer to somewhere else, so they put him into a mixed ward. And in the ward, there were a lot of older people. And during the night, uh, an older man soiled the bed. And the staff came in and they turned on the man and said, oh, for God's sake, you're after destroying the sheets. Look at the state of this. You know, the use of that shaming language would never have happened if there was a relative sitting there. No. No, and that is abhorrent to hear those words and that those words were spoken. But coming back to your your 94-year-old lady friend, um, this is an acute hospital. We don't have to name it. It's an acute hospital. You got the impression, is this fair to say, when you that there was adequate staff, even though they said to you, oh, we're busy and we're under pressure. You felt there was enough people. She shouldn't have been in the state she was in. There seemed to be plenty of people around when I was there and her next of kin has been telling me the same. They've since lost her teeth and she rang him the other morning because she's fully complimented, but she rang him the other morning and she said um, she was crying because the healthcare assistant was giving out to her because she wasn't eating her meal quickly enough. And her mouth is full of blisters now, you know. It's just, it's just like one disaster after another. And I think literally if somebody was sitting beside her that... There will be somebody there to help her, you know, and even comfort her, mm. just even to sit with her and hold her hand. 
This is shocking, Brian. And, and I know people listening to us today um, are, are reviled by what they hear. And if anybody's affected by anything we're saying or you have a story similar, let us know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. That's 086-1800-658 or 041-983-2000 if you want to call in. Brian... <laughs> What, what What's going to happen here with that lady? Will she get out? What, what, you know, what's the future hold for her? Well, this is part of the problem as well. I mean, quiet people just seem to disappear in the system, you know. So I've been trying to support her next of kin to organise a meeting with the social worker, with the senior nurse and with the doctor. And what I asked him to ask them was, the meeting is going to take place tomorrow. Um, and he asked for the meeting last week. So there's a whole week gone by and I asked him, his, his opening line is, what's the plan for her? What's your plan? You know, because there doesn't seem to be a plan. Because people come, we'll say on Thursday and they might initiate something and then they leave. And then they don't come back till Monday. But in the meantime, lots of other issues have arisen. So they seem to be constantly firefighting. So if somebody isn't advocating for themselves or shouting loudly or constantly ringing the bell, they don't seem to be getting the attention or the notice. So people get forgotten in the system, which is hard to believe, but that seems to me to be what's happening. So again, another reason to open up the hospital and have the visitors in. You know, if if nothing else, this is a kindness. I mean, we just listened to the Remembrance Sunday there for all the people who died during COVID. Mm. And part of the, I don't know if you're listening to the radio, but part of the, the, the ceremony was people telling stories, you know, of not being able to sit with their loved ones, not being able to comfort them, not being able to see them, not being able to hold their hand, not to be able to say simple things like at the end of life, like, I'm sorry, I love you, thank you, goodbye. You know, um, the basic sort of things that we'd want for ourselves as we're leaving this world, that you'd have somebody there that you love to hold your hand, or at least to tell you that you're safe. And um, so I think my, the reason for me putting that online, and I would never really do stuff like this, mm. and I purposely didn't name the, the organisation or the person involved because I didn't want to, because I think this is across the board at the moment. I do think we need to open up the hospitals. We need to allow at least one family member or friend to be the visitor and the advocate that can come and sit. If the hospital are saying they haven't the staff to provide this care and they're not able to look after the people the way they should, well, then let the family come in and sit there. And Brian, I have have to say, coming from you, with your years of experience and being someone who's in the system. You are in there. You are part of this. You've been working for years uh, within the health service here. It is even more powerful, I have to say it. And I followed the thread when you put it up. I'm sure you were amazed yourself at what, you know, what has come out of the woodwork here. This Mm -hmm. is, I think it's a fair point you make. This is not an isolated incident. Yeah. And it's not an isolated incident, and it's it's like the full, the full breadth of the country. If you read those responses to mm. to to that post, you know. But like there was wonderful programs before COVID. You know, there was like Deirdre Lang, who's a clinical lead for the service of older people. Um, she had a wonderful program called What Matters to You, and it was all about the patient and person centred care. Like. I really believed we were changing things. We were moving things forward. We were getting a consciousness in healthcare staff's mind that 
this is a human being. It's not an illness. Like I'm more, you know, that we got them thinking this person is more than their dementia. They're more than their broken leg. They're more than their cancer. They're the whole human being that we need to look after. Somebody who's got physical needs, of course, but they also have emotional, psychological, spiritual, you know, and other needs. And it's when we try and reach out and look after all these needs, then we give person-centred care, whole person care. That's when a person's needs are met. But I overheard it myself when I was a patient in the hospital during the summer. I overheard the staff on the corridor outside the door one afternoon saying, isn't it great without the visitors? You can get your job done without any hassle. So my problem with this is I think there's a concerted drive within the health service to keep the visitors out because it it suits the service not to have visitors around. Isn't that awful to contemplate, to be honest with you? And you make the point so well. It would take the burden off if somebody were allowed it. And we are all trebly vaccinated and boosted and everything. And uh, the test can be taken beforehand. Brian, I want to ask you this because time will beat us. Just in, uh, I want to get this in before we go. Is it an ageist thing? Um, I don't think so. Because I'm like, I'm only in my early 60s now. And I was a patient in, in the hospital during the summer. I ended up being an advocate for the older people in the ward. But I was at the risk, like I myself didn't get the care that I would have expected, considering I was totally immobile. Like I had an accident on Friday morning at 11 o'clock. I ended up in a hospital, in an acute hospital in the ward. On the So that's Friday morning. On Saturday evening at about 7 or 8 o'clock, I had to ask for somebody to give me a basin of water so I could wash my hands. Nobody, I hadn't had a washer, I hadn't had a turn, or nobody really, I'd been fed and given medication, but I hadn't actually gotten the basic stuff that I would have thought were just basic at the time. And um, I was terrified, I was in one of these ICU beds because I was immobile, and the base of my back became very hot and sweaty, and I was afraid of my life I was going to get a bed sore. So I called, and it was the nurse, not the healthcare assistant, and I said to the nurse, I'm terrified I'm going to get a bed sore. Is there anything that can be done? And uh, they said, oh, physio will be in on Monday. They'll give you exercises for that. And off they went. You know, and then there was an older lady in the corner who was in dreadful pain all day and uh, kept calling and calling. Her consultant came in that evening, a lovely woman, and the consultant said to her, how are you? I'm in terrible pain. You shouldn't be in pain because I've written you up for plenty of stuff and you can have it whenever you want it. Just ask. And she said, I've been asking all day. And she, the, the doctor said, oh, you couldn't have been. Don't be silly because it's been written up for you. You're entitled to it. And I had to, I had to shout over and say, I'm sorry for butting in, but that lady is actually telling the truth. She has been asking and saying that she's been in pain all day and nothing's been done. Oh, my word. Brian, this you is... Uh, so, it pains... You know, I'm just sort of saying mm, it's, mm, it's... Horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. COVID has been sort of an awful thing. We've all lost lots of things. Yes. And I think one of the biggest losses in hospital at the moment is for older people in particular and people who are quiet and won't be the ones who'll be jumping up and down ringing the bells. They just disappear between the cracks. And people who are particularly immobilised in bed that can't physically reach over to the locker yeah. or even the food at the end of their bed, you know, that 
I think they're in big trouble, Brian. And I, we all yeah. hear what you're saying, Brian. I have to leave it there today. I'll be back to you. Thank you for advocating and keep advocating. And we need to open the hospitals. Yes, Jerry. absolutely. I could. I, we need to get the visitors in. That's the bottom that line. That is the bottom you know? line. It is indeed. Otherwise, all these stories are dreadful in their own way. But we, it's a call to action, really. We yeah. have to get somebody. We can throw our hands up in the air, but we need to get the hospitals open. Brian, thank you okay. so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Take care, Thanks, yourself, Brian. Brian. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Brian Nolan there. Shocking, isn't it? Absolutely shocking. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.